I have uh, three questions to ask you, gentlemen, off the top of the show here. Okay. Yes, no, and, and only on Tuesdays. Uh, your answer is going to be the same for each of them, okay? It is going to be addicted. Okay. Okay. All right. So, if you were to observe Sam Camacho have a couple beers over the course of an evening, what would you say she is? Addicted. Uh-huh. Um, and if you were to watch, per se, John here listen to uh, an entire string of Richard Edwards' albums over the course of an evening, noting nuance throughout each of them, what would you say he is? Addicted. Pretentious. I mean, addicted. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Michael, what did that to your face? Addicted. It's really funny that you, you bring up a joke from 2000 and 2001 because that's where we're going to go. <laughs> I wanted to hit, you know, we need to time travel appropriately. And it's uh, it's good for us to get back into that mental state here. I'm already 80% there, as you oh, can I, see. Oh, I was very, very pleased to see your attire today, which for yes, the listeners yes. is a Slipknot beanie. Sent to me from their official merch store from the individual who was running their merch at the time. Hi, Sarah. Very sorry. <laughs> sorry, Sarah. Sorry, God. Sarah, Sarah. <laughs> it's okay. Marilyn Manson did a lot worse to her than I did. Guaranteed. Oof. You're not lying, dude. That guy's a fucking monster. We've said it already. Yes. Noted. Yes. And he's missing ribs. Allegedly. Much like Shane's rib shack before him. <laughs> <laughs> what? There's no sauce on that joke. I'm sorry. No, I'm, there's I, not. We're, we're working our way into it. Also, it's a dry we're, rub. We're missing. It's the only place I can get chipped beef without a toothy blowjob. I'm really glad that the moment the estrogen is out of the building, we go back to the lowbrow. I mean, obviously, we we need to be supervised. I just I need an adult before, before any intro. I just want to say that tonight or today. Um, is for a couple things and that, that we're going to learn how to make our own beef jerky now that she's gone. Uh, we're going to shit with the doors open. Hell yeah. And we're going to talk a lot about pussy. No puss. Okay. No puss. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Uh, this podcast this evening has no pussy. Unless Michael counts. Well, anyway, oh. thanks for tuning into the No Pussy Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> And by the way, hashtag cancel me daddy in full effect. <laughs> well, God damn it. for those of you who are getting no pussy, Heil come slingers <laughs> and welcome to another fist straining podcast. Fisting? That comes later. Fish, fish stink. You're fish right. Fish do stink. Indeed. Indeed. Much like felching, it's uh, not all you thought it was going to be at the onset. <laughs> but uh, welcome to the Disinformed Podcast. I'm Shane. I'm John. And I'm Michael. I'm Courtney. Wait, what was what? that, Courtney? Sorry, uh, God? What? Who? Huh? huh? Who? <laughs> what? Exactly. Where am I? Courtney, I hope you're having a, a lovely a lovely time wherever you are. I know that you uh, you officially quit the show last week, so I wish mm -hmm. you the best in your future endeavors. It was a, a wonderful send-off. It was. I, uh, I, I did something to surprise you and her, and I listened to the episode. And I, uh, <gasps> Bullshit! It was, it was exactly how I remembered it. Less than six days from recording it, so I'm, I'm glad that I... <laughs> it's strange how that works out when you're lucid, right? I know. 
Do you know who wasn't lucid, though, um, was this couple that I saw in a brewery in Seattle over the weekend. I've been dying to tell you guys this story, and I'm the only thing about it that I, I'm hesitant to... The, the only reason I'm hesitant to tell it is because I wish that Courtney was here, because uh, I feel like the situation was made for her. Mm. So we go into this brewery. It's called Optimism Brewing. And it's a huge warehouse space. Like this, you see all the brew tanks all around, and they have an upstairs area that they uh, like a mezzanine is what they called it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a, a staircase. It's like a you know two two stories up almost, or you know like they have two flights of stairs. So I'm trying to fucking say sorry. Um, so Becky and I we get our beers. It's pretty busy in there, so we want to go up to the mezzanine. And there's no signage saying that you can't do that. So we walk up to the mezzanine. There's a there's a you know handful of people up there, and we get approached within like five seconds. And they're like. Are you here for the party? We go, no. They're like, sorry, this is reserved. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, whatever. So, we, you know, good little cucks that we are, we fuck right off and we find seating downstairs, mm-hmm. and we can see the staircase from where we are. So we're enjoying our beers, we're talking about our day. Um, and now, the corner of my eye, I see a cute couple, and they're approaching the stairs. And I go, Becky, Becky, you, you, you got to turn and watch this with me. These fucking fucks are going to get turned away just like we were. It's going to be great. So. As I'm saying this, they've already walked up, and they're turning around to come back down the stairs. So from the time it takes me to turn and tell Becky this, and for us to both look back, the girl in this couple, comically, and it almost seems staged, trips down the entire flight of stairs. I'm talking head over heels, fucking tumbles. You hear gasps (laughs) from that side of the room, like, oh my god! Quebec and I watch I was like, did that just fucking happen? <laughs> so we're sit- but meanwhile, like we're we're like the memes, you know, like we're just like sipping our beers, like Kermit sipping the tea real slowly, watching this. And we're like, well, you shouldn't have tried to go up to the private party. Uh, <laughs> true. Very true. Uh, and then John just got because on his people, headset. The people... clown is down. The clown is down. <laughs> oh, you know, <laughs> You know what? I did. I did text Courtney this actually in the moment. I'm remembering it now because Becky gave. Con- I left it at that in the text that I sent Courtney. I was like, "You would have shit your pants." I wish you were here. Becky chimes in. By the way, she's fine. We watched her get up and walk out of the establishment. I was like, "Who cares?" Again, <laughs> Courtney. Courtney, I think said, "Look at Becky trying to make John seem like a better person." <laughs> a very tough road to hoe unfortunately yeah anyway sorry for the tangent i just need to get that out of my system i thought you guys would like that no uh much like slapping someone in the face with a uh, a liquor tea you know it's uh, it's well worth watching someone's pain for our amusement oh yeah for sure amen hmm. which is 80 percent of this show as far as i'm aware mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it is it is known and we got oh good we're gonna have it. a we're going to have a glorious bit of latency here this evening, it seems. I'm on a tape delay. I think you should download more internet, Shane. I'm not going to talk any shit because I've been the internet. worst sufferer of exactly what he's going through. And I don't wish that on anybody. Of course. I don't either. I just wanted him to download more internet. I think uh, Melissa's streaming adult films out in the uh, living room at the moment, so it's probably jamming us up a little. But, oh, she's uh, making ice cream? Uh, no, I think she's actually aggressively stirring a pot of noodles from what it sounds like, but, uh, yeah. Man, you ASMR guys are just fucking creepy to me. 
It's a delightful time, my friend. And, uh, I mean, not all ASMR is created equal. I hate to tell you. Like, there is probably, <laughs> like, a very minute slice of that pie that I actually enjoy compared to, like, the entire... Because some of them bitches are crazy. Not limited to the ones that oh. lick the earpieces on their microphones and uh, the others who have to say the same word repeatedly 16 times as quickly as humanly possible. Just like Courtney was saying to me last week, just go to therapy. <laughs> I'd like to sleep. I, that's, you know, that's really all no, I use it for. I'm not saying you go to therapy. I'm saying the content creators go to therapy. <laughs> I pay both. for that. Yeah. I'll donate to your Patreon if you go get help. <laughs> what a twist. Uh, what tier is that? <laughs> it will end in tears, certainly, but... It's called being a blood scout. An eternal scout. <laughs> oh, no, not a blood pack scout again. Beware of throat spiders. Throat spiders. <laughs> or wheat and wheat byproducts. Well, uh, for those of you who are blissfully uninitiated with the show and wheat and wheat byproducts, what we typically do here on the regular is we delve into random esoteric topics, and in the course of explaining them, we lie about them. It is a delightful time for all, and in particular, this evening is going to be more acutely entertaining, because John is going to talk to us about something which I'm fairly certain has never been truthful in the entirety of their career. We're going to discuss an album that does not exist. <gasps> For sure. Um, also, I, I don't know if we're doing these anymore, but let's just get it out of the way. We're talking about a pretty hard metal band here, and there's going to be blood. There's going to be semen. Uh, there's going to be lots of things that trigger you if all you do is watch Disney. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> This is the most detailed trigger warning I've ever heard. You could just say, Melissa, you can turn the episode off now. I mean, good lord. I naturally assume that the moment I start talking, Melissa turns it off. Oh, it's a giant. I mean, you're not wrong. Click. <laughs> Click. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, so what I wanted to talk about today, uh, mainly because Courtney did succeed in one part of her uh, you know, reverse psychology, is I want to catch up and you know surpass the free form episodes with me episodes yay um, you can't do that by the end so of the year I, i'm afraid no i can't but i mean you know i i can change wait I are we already starting the, the lies <laughs> no but thank you for reminding me hold on let me do a quick count. bullshit to do this i'm a fuck how many number of lies are Michael, there? pause this real quick. Yeah, Michael, pause this real quick. <laughs> okay, I won't cut this. I will just pause this. Yeah, I've noticed you don't cut things. <sighs> I like raw, unedited footage. Give me the raw stuff. <laughs> raw dog me. Give it to you raw and wriggling? <laughs> mm-hmm. And how. Sacre bleu. I do love that French Michael is everyone's favorite Michael now at this point. It is. <laughs> so if you're you're having a if you have a frog in your throat, uh, French Michael. <laughs> I think I got it. Out or don't now. don't French Michael. No, don't please send, don't. Send him some panties. No one else should do it. You won't. I mean, according to uh, okay. last week's After Dark, you most certainly would French Michael uh, without any I alcohol mean, in your system either. All, if he if he looked that fucking good all the time. 
Yeah. <laughs> Which is never the case. <laughs> okay, I'm back. Google me, Chuck. Okay. So, I have four lies. <laughs> um, and what I wanted to talk to you guys about, uh, and Courtney in the ether somewhere, is oh, no. about Slipknot's uh, second album, Iowa. No, I'm still going. The... Nope. And the reason... <laughs> Darkness the falls this and topic the got... night's begun. The river of light flows as bright <laughs> as the sun. Under the wailing moon, there's danger to be found. Well, I deserve that for being unprepared. Uh, <laughs> so, we're going to talk about Slipknot. We're talking mainly about Iowa. Um, the reason this got brought back onto my radar is because late... One night I was on like in a YouTube hole and I stumbled upon uh, a video of Corey Taylor from Slipknot at Crescent Ballroom mm. and he had an interesting question asked of him. And I, I'm going to start right now with a, a quote from that video. And he goes, I don't remember a lot from recording Iowa because of the booze and shit. I was drinking three fucking bottles of Jack Daniels a day when I was making that album, to which the audience cheers. And he goes, no, 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 no. That's not good. Trust me, when you're waking up with a bottle and you need a bottle to go to bed, that's an issue. It's a huge, huge issue. Uh, You're covering some shit that you don't want to admit. And once I stopped doing that, it got a lot better. So that clip, again, was taken from Corey Taylor when he performed here in Phoenix on November 15th, 2011, at our beloved Crescent Ballroom. The question he was Mm. responding to was how and why his scream changed from album to album. And the answer, as you can guess, was circled around his choice to not drink after his early career was done. Well, uh, are we calling bullshit on uh, three bottles a day? Is that uh, are we are we getting the number lies out of the way right up front? I wouldn't I wouldn't do that to uh, to Superfan Michael. (gasps) I'm more scared of him being mad than you guys being mad. That's okay. Well, that's reasonable. (laughs) Well. And then I, I do have to kind of admit here that just because we have our own personal connections and we, we or personal connections, because we know this genre and we know this band, it's easier for us to assume that everyone does. So for those not acquainted with Corey Taylor, he's most famously known for being the front man of a small metal band called Slipknot. Um, man, I thought he was in the butthole surfers. That is later. For those not initiated, Slipknot is a nine-piece band formed in 1995 in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Much like when I talked about Limp Bizkit, it's important to note that their style of music at their inception was not even close to being considered mainstream. However, it would be unfair to lump them into the same category as Limp, which they are new metal. Uh, Slipknot leans way heavier into the actual genre of metal and arguably helped the extreme genre gain more attention. And if you pair that with the air of mystery that they had in their early days, paired with, you know, the early adoption of masks and costumes on stage, et cetera, um, it, they, they really just ushered in, uh, you know, a, a new, new subgenre of metal. That new, new. No, new, oh, no umlaut to be included in the new for no. the new. Oh, I like I think last. we talked about this on the Limp Biscuit episode though. Like did was their aesthetic established pre-Limp Biscuit or did that like I forget the actual foundation of Slipknot. When did they really start releasing material? I will be getting to that momentarily. Okay, cuz I feel like that was one of the major selling points of the band was the fact that they had this very shocking and audacious sort of uh, you know, visual that they presented for their aesthetic. 
Yeah, and, and feel free to because I <laughs> right before Michael got got in the uh, the session, I had forgotten that Shane did has and does have an intimate knowledge of this band. Um, so feel free. I kind of have it like a Michael structure right now where there's things I want to want to touch on. But if there are things that you Shane uh, want to add, feel free, please. Um, but as is usually the case, Slipknot formed or the band itself formed and met after mingling in the Des Moines scene in the early 90s. The original members being Sean uh, Crahan, who's known as the Clown. If you if you know the band, the Clown, that's Sean and Paul Gray, rest in peace, uh, on bass. Their collective influences varied, but were deeply rooted in death, funk and thrash metal. Uh, and the band got their name from a working title of a demo that Paul and Sean were working on. Uh, another option that didn't get used was Painface and also Splinter Faction. Uh, <laughs> Splinter Faction. That's right. a Tom Clancy game, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Clancy's Splinter Faction. <laughs> no, isn't it? Is it Splinter Faction? It's Splinter Cell. It's- Splinter, there we go. <laughs> um, in 95, they self-financed the recording of their debut demo uh, titled Mate, Feed, Torture, Kill, Repeat, and they estimated it to cost about $40,000 all said and done, uh, and they released that on Halloween of 1996. At this time... Oh, go ahead, Michael. Really? Halloween? They they were... Really, they really Halloween. Huh. Yeah. Sweet. Um, interestingly enough, too, I, I've listened... So back when I was giving my computer cancer with LimeWire downloads, um, <laughs> I downloaded Mate Feed Kill, and it's really interesting, especially if you are a fan of Slipknot and you like the self-titled a fair amount, which I, I arguably I think their first couple records are, you know, the easiest to, to really jump into. Um, Mate Feed has a lot of early working versions of what would end up to go on the self-titled. Uh, like the the opening track on the self titled is on on the the demo as well, but it, Corey Taylor is not the vocalist at this time, and it's very interesting in my opinion to go back and listen to what they would have been without him and how integral he ends up being into the band. I uh, mean, certainly for their mainstream exposure, it seems like they've been significantly impacted by having him added, particularly for him making more melodic stuff. Exactly. You're nailing it on the fucking head as usual. Uh- <laughs> well, uh, and also I I had a, a, like, I'm remiss if I don't mention the uh, preceding band Guar before them, uh, certainly as, uh, you know, folks that leaned into the gimmick very intensely. So, yes, I can see why Slipknot would release the album on Halloween, but... right. But, and really, we do have to point to Kiss if you're going to talk about folks yeah. that were going aesthetic as the gimmick. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is probably the progenitor of the movement. Yeah, and Shane, you would, not because you're like forever years old, but you would have more of a, a grasp on, on Mostly how, because I'm forever years old. Right. Um, how Kiss shaped things as well, like being mm. make like full face makeup in the entire nine. But... From your knowledge, like were people like really freaked out by Kiss's appearance, or were they? Just, oh, like, absolutely. Okay. It. Uh, I mean, there is the the theatricality there, and certainly you have other things like Black Sabbath certainly played on this, and subsequently like Ozzy Osbourne, Alice Cooper. But Kiss, I think, 
caused that same sort of fervor that Mike has talked about and like the satanic panic of like kiss in most Christian circles. They assumed it met, stood for knights in Satan's service. Oh yeah. I so that. yes, people were terrified <laughs> of kiss. I mean, Gene Simmons calls his character, the demon for hell's sakes. So I, I mean, yeah, there were folks that were absolutely terrified of kiss, which is hilarious when you listen to their music right? and how saccharine and silly it seems to us comparatively when you're talking about blood, booze, semen, and other bodily fluids. Particularly, like, Guar is the one, like, they've got bloody guns of fake semen that they fire out into the crowd during shows. <laughs> so, comparatively, you can get a lot worse than Kiss. Yeah, um, and with Guar, I don't know if it was a similar thing... Um... It was a similar thing. I, I think I read this, and I didn't. I don't have a source for for this opinion. Um, but I believe at some point I read about Slipknot when they were being interviewed about why the masks. Mm-hmm. It was because they wanted to be bigger than their own personal identities. One, and that's obvious. But also, and and unfortunately, you know, time has held this to be evident. Um, if they're all masked, if if a member leaves or passes on, um, you know, then they can just fill that role with with another number you know since they're they all have patches on their their jumpsuits uh one through nine depending on their role you know and i wonder if that was a similar it's a similar thing with guar right because they had a member pass away recently and i think they may have may have replaced them i don't know about that to be anyway, completely candid but yes but we're similar. talking tangentially here but yes um so when that's part of the fun of this yes thankfully because i uh i, I was telling Shane, before you got on here, Michael, that it's like one of those topics where I feel like there's some things on it that are a little heavier than than I thought they would be. Uh, so this entire time I'm writing it, I'm like, I'm not going to go talking to the group chat and let them give them a heads up because then Courtney wins. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, in honor of that. Nice. Uh, Shane Weiser. Round um, two. So uh, circling back to where we were. So they released their debut. Um demo uh cory taylor's not the vocalist at this time and the band is not at their full nine members yet uh but the core elements of their sound are present namely you know they have additional percussion outside of their drummer they have samples that are inside of the the actual recordings themselves even though they don't have like a dj at the time um they have i i describe that as really slammy guitar riffs um and guttural vocals uh, mm-hmm. i think that's like the signature of their sound in my opinion slammy groovy guitar riffs dj like samples and scratches which that's what some people uh you know miss genre as being new metal is having that um and then very extreme vocal yeah they're very percussive which yeah. even like with the guitar as as what the emphasis is like it's very just monolithic straight ahead drive you into the ground with the rhythms which when you've got that many people playing percussive instruments and then follow it with very staccato kind of uh muted chords you're definitely going to drive that home like a jackhammer into somebody's head yeah and what was really interesting too is that uh, even though a lot of what he said didn't make it into to what i'm talking about i've watched a lot of finn mckinsey's videos and again, I've mentioned him a hundred times on this show now, and I would heavily recommend if you're even passingly interested in, in music in any way, shape, or form to check him out because he breaks things down in such a unique way. But he does an episode on Slipknot and why they're so influential. And something that he brings up, and he does bring the comparison between Limp Biscuit and Slipknot and how Slipknot is not new metal and how Limp Biscuit is, um, 
he talks about how often now in our modern in modern metal from them onwards how people rip off slipknot because of their riff structure um and you can listen to any metalcore song really uh within the past 20 years and you're going to hear very very specific instances of slipknot being a major influence in that whether you know it or not you know mm-hmm. um and i know after he said that i went and listened to some of my favorite songs and i realized the grooves that i really like in metal music i think were incepted from me getting into slipknot when i was a teenager no doubt um, so their demo um they shopped it out but it didn't gather the traction they'd hoped so they returned back to the studio and at this point this is when they brought Corey taylor on um at this point Corey taylor had his own project called stone sour and at this at the time when they took him from stone sour they were very generic radio rock some would argue that they still are to this day i would i would counter and say that i think the first couple records are really good mm-hmm. um however the reason they did bring them on like shane was hinting at is that they wanted a melodic some might say like a dynamic singer and their original vocalist wasn't that he wasn't bad if you listen to the demo he is super aggressive he's, he's fucking terrifying sounding but there you wouldn't get uh, that's, before that's I all he could do you wouldn't yeah you wouldn't get like volume three before i forget or duality from slipknot kind of vibes from him and i know that mm. i'm speaking to the fans now michael do you know slipknot at all i probably listened to them when they were like popular but i was gonna say the look on michael's face when you said stone sour and he started to try to ferret this out i was was, trying to remember uh, would we speak the other i know that band but i can't for the life of me remember what they played because i know i'm looking at you through the glass my parents know how much time has passed oh oh, okay all right thank you yeah (laughs) oh god it feels like forever but no one ever told you yeah that okay you nailed it holy fuck you nailed fuck me i I like that you turned him into like a a really bad country south park singer (laughs) there by the way thank you mr john (laughs) becky always says that too she's like you know you could sing you, you sing you do, you do that, that. it's you, a thing you i've seen you seriously could, yeah but i choose like, not to <laughs> yeah um <laughs> i'm not getting paid <laughs> why would i, I do like, that <laughs> i feel like michael and i need to switch roles on this episode because he's usually the one that's you know uh he knows the information and i'm the not so smart about the information <laughs> i feel like michael needs to be the audience member on this one so if there are things that are weird to you please ask some questions because i realize that you know there are some people like you that have never watched a single movie or listened to slipknot i've <laughs> i listened to them but this was like a lot of alcohol ago yeah and also i mean michael has admitted he is not exactly as as much of you know the fan of music that we are at least not to the extent that we are he doesn't memorize song titles he doesn't know the members of the band so i mean we'll cut him a little slack on this one that's fine um as far as scoring though michael you're down three nil it's a good reference it's my favorite song of theirs still to this day i really enjoy that it's a good one um un- unpopular opinion i really like volume three i know a lot of people agree it on it but anyway. no that's the that is the one that really put me over the hump by the way oh dude same i listen to that i, I re-listen to volume three more than anything in their catalog even though iowa is my favorite album from them mm-hmm. um but anyway so after they got Corey taylor on for the the reimagined versions of their demos they also got their dj uh his name's sid wilson and that's what ended up being the original nine members of the band 
Did he not have like a DJ name? That is his DJ name. Sid Wilson? Yeah, it's just his first and last name. Made up names are fucking stupid. That's so... <laughs> I don't know. I but guess I'm it, just used to Lincoln Park with Mr. Han and all that, so... Oh, as though that can't be a name, you racist fuck? No! His first name isn't Mr. Could be. Hey, I, mean, I know a dog I, I know a dog whose name is Mr. Mr. Okay, so, well... I mean, you can name a thing not anything. Not a dog. He's Sup a human dog. being. Did you ask what he identifies as? I guess I didn't. <laughs> I am a meat popsicle. <laughs> Anywho. Treat me like Literal one. DJ Sid Wilson. <laughs> and by the way, we love you, Sid. Yes. Uh, I they... have to, I, I'm an, under legal obligation to say that. That is the one person in that band who knows my name. Well, so. you know, if you, if you want to go on a quick aside. Um, oh, no. No, this is, this is going to be good, especially since uh, you, you have a, you know, you're on a first name basis. Um, oh yes. Uh-huh. What is it? What's the What's the guy's name on YouTube? Is it Mark Bieto or Bieto? Or he He's a dude. He's an older older fella, and he yes. has a pretty popular channel where he takes uh, really popular songs and he breaks them okay. down and on what, deconstructs. Well, yeah, yeah what the engineering. Song, yeah, what makes a song great? Um, mm. And he did an episode on Slipknot song Duality, and a lot of the things that make quote unquote make that song great are very subtle things that Sid Wilson does during the song to ramp up tension and and all this cool shit. And it's stuff that I didn't think about, even though I was in a god-awful band uh, when I was a teenager and we had a DJ. So I I didn't even think about this shit, but if you have a good DJ, they can do some cool shit. (laughs) Uh, Seriously, like I'm uh, since I am 88 years old, I can speak to the fact that like trip hop to me was one of those weird things where I stepped outside of the genre stuff that my family really loved because there was a lot of influences in my house. But that the first time I heard soul coughing and they have samples that are blasted throughout, you know, the bulk of their material. And this is stuff that was like early to mid 90s when it first started coming out. It really helps establish a mood. And certainly yeah. plays the dynamic of the material because you just have random pulls from Mighty Mouse in the middle of a song to accentuate certain aspects of it. Like you don't think you don't really think you'd miss it until you don't hear it in the song, and they're like, "Oh, okay, oh for sure." And there's I, I don't think I've sent it to you, um, but if you're interested, Shane, I'll send it direct or I'll send it direct to you. There's a, a video uh, where they go through Slipknot self-titled and they source all of the samples from the record. Oh, okay. And some of them, some of them actually did surprise me. I was like, holy fuck, I never would have picked that out. Um, you, you'll forgive me for it, Chuck. My cat is screaming at me through the door. <laughs> she's, she's over here like, meow. She's very upset that I am speaking loudly and I not like acknowledging her. Too. <laughs> um, no so, pussy. Okay. So, 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 so back to no pussy. Back to Sid Wilson and Corey Taylor. They come onto this demo and they polish up five of the songs that were on there. And that demo they ship out and they only ship it out to labels. And it lands and it hits Roadrunner Records, who back then was the end all fucking be all, pick them up for a seven album, $500,000 contract in 1998. 
fast forward and they went through a few member changes as you're wont to do in your early days. People are dropping off uh, personal differences, especially as they're starting to you know grow in popularity. Um, in this time, they record their self-titled debut LP, and that's released in July of 1999. The album was a game changer, and combined with that, they went on what is now considered an infamous tour, and that was the OzFest 99 tour. Um, and this is where they really fucking went to insane heights in their popularity. Uh, and that first album of theirs went platinum, which I don't know if you guys remember or care to remember. In this time, as evident by Limp Biscuit, that was a really hard thing to fucking do. That's a lot of records to sell for a genre that wasn't represented uh, very well. However, how we're going to defer from, from Limp Biscuits episode is we're not going to go into the full history of Slipknot from here. We're going to slow down, and we're going to, like I was saying, just go into their follow-up, Iowa. Uh, recorded in Sound City, the album was released August 28th, 2001 been critically acclaimed as one of the only mainstream music albums to feature blast beat percussion and was said to heighten its popularity after release the title track iowa is also known for being the band's longest continuous song released clocking in at just over 15 minutes in length uh and the lyrical style follows what Corey taylor was doing on the first slipknot record uh a lot of use of metaphors to describe dark themes including uh oh jesus i'm gonna have a michael moment Oh, no. Do it. Do it. Well, I know solipsism, disgust, anger, (sighs) disaffection, psychosis, rejection, misanthropy is what I was going to say, but I felt wrong. Or or misanthropy, Misanthropy. whichever your emphasis. But I feel like you get the the gist. It's not a happy Hmm. album. Uh, (laughs) No, certainly not. Also, I do love that it was recorded in Sound City. They do do have clips of it in the Sound City documentary, which is fantastic. Um, I'll t- uh, can you tell elaborate a little bit on what Sound City is? Yeah, I Shane, take it away. You got this. Okay, yeah. So uh, Sound City is a very famed recording studio that had a very particular board, which is what it is uh, sort of famed for, is that it was one of the few recording studios that would consistently get great sound. There's a lot of really phenomenal artists that recorded there. Fleetwood Mac, Tom Penny and the Heartbreakers. Uh, on to later bands like Rage Against the Machine and Slipknot. So like the uh, Foo Fighters, uh, okay. technically Nirvana is the the one that got tracked also, through there. But Dave Grohl purchased that board and made a documentary yes. about the deinstallation of the board and moving it into his own personal recording studio. And then he tracked an album with a bunch of sort of famed alumni from recording in the studio. Really cool documentary if you want to check it out. It's absolutely and phenomenal. And there's an accompanying soundtrack. The soundtrack's great. And then also I'm glad that you got to the documentary because I recently learned, if I'm not mistaken, if you want to watch it, it is on YouTube for free. And not and nice. not like a not in a shitty like someone ripped it and then threw it up and it hasn't been mm-hmm. flagged, but like I think it's authentically available to watch for free on YouTube. Authentic. Yeah, like, YouTube has been doing that a lot, like putting um a lot of like documentaries or movies or something like that, and it'll be free with ads. But yet I which... had to pay fucking like almost ten goddamned dollars to watch Thanksgiving three. So how is that? I fair? think that's an idiot tax. <laughs> yeah, that's a you know what you did tax. <laughs> yes, I, I think a sin so. Tax. That's so. <laughs> Thank you. That was I beautiful. That 
I figured that between the two of us, Shane, that I wouldn't need to include many quotes of lyrics inside of this album. Um, uh, you might. I, and, and I have them. I don't even need to look them up. I could just tell you some of my favorites coming up. However, I did find on, on their wiki a little uh, alternative press quote of their, like a, a quote of their review. <laughs> it's like having a plastic bag taped over your head for an hour while Satan uses your scrotum as a speed bag. It's over the top. <laughs> You're going to be left in stitches. <laughs> and that, my friends, is I, not... I have to call bullshit on Satan using a scrotum as a speed bag. It's far too apt. That, my friends, is not bullshit. That is, uh, oh, that is what God. is quoted. Um, and Did you actually tell us... I'm sorry. Forgive me if I didn't catch it. I, I was probably too uh, died into what I was doing. Did you tell us how many lies I there are? I did tell you how many lies, but that was after I was unprepared and I didn't know right off the gate. And then hopefully, okay. hopefully there was a cut... I, I, um, yeah, there I will be it. a cut. <laughs> there will be a cut. Thanks. Um, yeah, there's, there's four lies. Um, but okay, thank you. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I got too carried away. Um, anyway, so before we dive further in, this album holds a really special place in my heart, and that's why I wanted to talk about it because I have very flashbulb, distinct memories of being in high school. I was a freshman, still using a, a, a disc man. You know, uh, and I think I had I, I think I had an anti skip as well, which was a really nice thing to have. You got to have the anti skip, uh, yeah, because I mean I, I shoved it in my baggy jeans, you know, and I'm walking around. Mm-hmm. I can't have the fucking disc skipping all the fucking time. Exactly, and you also you know cut holes into your favorite hoodies exactly. so that you could you know without scrutiny listen to material. Yeah, pretend, so it's it's pretend necessary. That I was just resting my resting my head on my 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 hand. Um, but I rem- much like your relationships all the time. There's metaphors everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I remember. I was standing in line to get into our drama class, and I was standing next to my one of my best friends at the time, and he was really into metal. And he got me into a lot of stuff. Sadly, he turned out to be a piece of shit later in life. But, I mean, what do you do? Um, well, yeah. <laughs> if you're listening to this, I have almost... no problem. I won't say your name. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I will. <laughs> Shelby. Um, so... We're sitting there, and he starts bringing up Slipknot, and the only time that I'd heard about Slipknot was a year prior, where our <laughs> schoolyard bully um, had... Made a noose and dragged me by it across the yard. Basically, no, like, he would blare <laughs> from his headphones, like, he would he would take his headphones off, and they were over your headphones, and he would flip them the other way, turn the volume all the way up on his, uh, his Discman, and play the self-titled, wherever it happened to be in the track listing, and... Okay. I never had a problem with the guy, and some of the stuff sounded interesting, so I asked him who the fuck it was, and it was Slipknot. Didn't listen to him much then. Fast forward, friends outside of drama class, he's telling me Slipknot has a new record coming out. He ends up getting me a burnt copy of the CD, and I was not ready for it at all, because it is very fucking intense. I went from, like, Matchbox 20 to fucking Slipknot's (laughs) Iowa. Uh, Three doors down... Maybe some saliva, not intrinsically oh, good stuff. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, my how the turns table. Oh, indeed. And, and I remember my friend. He said he's like, just you know, it's pretty fucking intense, and it was. It is so like it is one of like my top five. Like if you were like, what's like the most hateful album that you can think of? This is in my top five, easily in my top five. And then <laughs> I remember being at home, and my brother, my older brother, I think what is he like three or four years older than me. Um, his friend was over getting him into Slipknot 
A week later, my brother finds my burnt copy of Iowa. And his Uh-oh. eyes go bug-eyed. And he starts losing his fucking shit. And he goes, why do you have this? I was like, because I like it. And he goes, you all right? I learned it from watching yeah. you. <laughs> right? <laughs> and he goes, he goes, if I ever fucking see this CD or any Slipknot CD in your, like, your, you know, what is it, a spindle? Not a spindle. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Your disc jacket or. Yes. Like a disc your book. Disc book yeah. He's like, if I, ever, if, if I ever fucking find a Slipknot album and it's yours, I'm going to tell mom and dad. And that was the moment that I Whoa. knew that my brother was a fucking bitch ass narc. So he might as do it. You he might as well have paint <laughs> you ballless bastard. <laughs> he might as well have painted me a roadmap to heroin. You know what I mean? <laughs> like the moment you yeah, tell me not much. to fucking do something, I'm gonna go fucking do that thing. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I uh, I became obsessed. And now you pair all of this, and I didn't see this performance, but there was you could, you could hear a little bit of it. Uh, like you know rumor mills around my friend group that they saw this infamous performance on conan on august 10th 2001 and this is where the heretic anthem which is a song from slipknot really really got caught into the mainstream because they show up in their full regalia and they look fucking terrifying and the the hook of the heretic anthem is if you're 555 then i'm 666 um and also before they went on well, five five five. Shane, do you know the thing about five five five? I can't say that I do, but also I want to mention since you had told everyone that they were full regalia. By the way, in case you don't know, they can't see shit they out can't of those see things. Fucking shit out of those things. <laughs> um, also, well, fuck you. Also, Conan introducing them was priceless because very conan-esque solemn faced he goes may mm-hmm. god help us all look at what we've done and then they start and then you hear the uh, there's a countdown at the beginning of the song and if you guys are down to watch it as an after dark we can oh totally it. especially yeah. since michael has not heard this song it'd be really funny to see how see him react how crazy it is now i i will uh mention here because i think this is important for john to know because i don't think we've ever discussed this i really liked um the the first record and of course volume three like i said is the one that brought me back in i did not like iowa to this day if i have anything there are only four songs on that album that are on my ipod so i didn't keep much of it so specifically there are like we're not going to have as many crossover points because i remember listening through and like melody is difficult to find in that record and And we'll, we'll get a little farther into that yeah, so this you are going to be able to whisk a lot by me here because in the course of this, I have not listened to this with any real attentiveness for quite some time. Nice. Also, I just realized right now, right at this very second, that I fucked up my first lie. So I'm going to give it to you guys because oh I God. thought that Shane, I thought <laughs> that Shane was going to get it, and I realized because I just wrote it, I wrote him down here. Um, I meant to say that they came from Cedar Rapids, not from Des Moines because i oh well look at you anyway there's three lies now fuck myself (laughs) also you act like either of us have any fucking clue where any you know like cities in iowa the reason that i said cedar rapids boise but that's in idaho and that's the the closest thing i've been to iowa (laughs) um cedar rapids is where my sister was born so that's why i put that in there instead of des moines but oh how unfortunate uh, indeed idiots on walking about i think is what they say um but even what uh even with what was regarded as a pretty commercially successful album 
the band seems when they look back to really much like Shane dislike this album. Um, it's weird as well to me because this is a pivotal point in their career. And a lot of people, when you're reading reviews on the album are impressed with how they came to this point on recording Iowa. Um, the genre defining drummer, Joey Jordanson, again, uh, rest in peace. Unfortunately, they're, our members now that are no longer with us um, had this to say on a retrospective for the album done by Revolver Magazine. That's one of my sources from today. We discovered that doing a Slipknot record is fucking prison. You're trapped until it's done. You're fucked. I'm in a band with the best musicians in the fucking world, and I'm so blessed. But at the same time, when we get together, even though we have so much love for each other, we fucking just want to kill each other. And that's where some things got out of control. When we did Iowa, it was a very dark time for the band. Some of our strongest and most meaningful songs are on that record, but we were all on drugs and drunk, and it fucking sucked. It's a time I don't like to talk about much because I don't like to condone any drug use whatsoever. Now, some of you may laugh at the quote about the songs being meaningful, uh, what with the opening track title and hook being literally people equal shit. Uh, but what we, <laughs> But what we have to really look at is the time frame when this album came out, much like when we were talking about Limp Bizkit. So this is America in the early aughts, and heavier music was just starting to bloom into the mainstream, and Slipknot had rode on that wave with their debut. And I think it's really interesting to read this uh, Revolver uh, interview, which will be in the show notes, of course, um, just to see, just from like a, a musician standpoint, you know, from being in bands for most of my life, uh, how different members are interviewed like their different responses and like their different contexts going into the question um shane no i i think like uh, very similarly i there's a lot of interesting trigger points for all of us here i'm sure but for you and i more acutely because we've also given interviews and we have given interviews where at least four-fifths of the band contribute responses and it is also very telling when you see the responses from certain members the personalities definitely shine through and we are very dramatically contrasted individuals just <laughs> even from an outsider perspective you're like okay how the hell do these people even deal with each other no for real so for yeah real. and i can't even like so we we have our squabbles as a five piece i cannot imagine at, or imagine adding four more members um uh-huh so clown or the the member known as clown um this is this okay. is a quote the artist formerly known uh, still known fortunately um oh. <laughs> <laughs> michael's like i'm wishing them all dead right now i thought they all were just just a just a couple Ooh, of in them. your heart um so he goes on to say uh in a quote it was a disaster because the world got in you know sophomore record drugs women just listening to the you guys are going to be huge Everybody wants our money, so I hate the album, but it's brutality at its finest. He goes on to say, it was bad. There were chemicals. I was probably the worst. My wife was very ill during those times. I felt very isolated because I couldn't be with her. So out of the sadness of not being together, there's that frustration and anger, too. And she's taking care of three kids, and we're being lied to about money, and we're still fucking broke. I was just anti-everyone in the band, coming for everyone in the band. There's a reason why half my brain is cut out of my mask. I have two horns, a pentagram, blood. Just bring it on. Hey, Mom, you want to call me a Satanist? Cool. I'm going to go do all this not because I'm a Satanist, but because I'm pissed off at you for judging me. So guess what? I'm going to punish you for the next how many years your kid is a fan of ours. 
You're <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I was pretty angry, but I can appreciate it. It's same. Fucking same, though. Yeah. Um, For those who have been ostracized or felt like they were never really quite included in the group, like it is very easy to adopt that outsider mentality with your fingers. It's kind of weird that the people and hundreds of thousands of people connected with that message and the music that they made based on those feelings. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah, go figure. And I think it's tried and true as well when you when you look at the entertainment industry, how fame gives you access to amplify the best and worst parts of yourself. And Mick Thompson, their guitarist, has a... I'm, I'm pulling a lot of quotes from this Revolver mag just because, you know, mm-hmm. made the, it made, made the episode good. easy and also you get to see who these people are. Um, yeah. So in regards to that, um, he goes, no one knows who they are until they're in a different situation. People think, oh, I'm really grounded. I'm faithful. I would never cheat on my girlfriend or my wife. Oh, really? Have you ever had extremely hot pussy dangling in front of your face every fucking night willing to give it up? No? But at some point when that's offered to you, how do you respond? Everything's changing. Not hungry things. Not, not <laughs> <laughs> Everything's changing finances, fucking relationships. You can never really know who your friends are. How do you trust anybody that you've met once uh, Once you're famous? Everybody loves you now. And I think Michael's answer is, did they buy you Taco Bell? Because that's the truest representation of love. But only if you're hungry. Yeah. Uh, so otherwise, no thank you. But despite how much love the label had for their band, the label was very anxious leading up to Iowa's release because they were no shit. Well, well, the thing is they were expecting what they truly were expecting based on the interviews and the, the articles that I read. They were expecting a sloppy follow-up, like a continuation of the self-titled. Okay. But instead what they got was almost worse for them because what they got was Iowa and what Iowa is, is just like, like a clown was saying brutality. At its finest. It is. Yeah. There are no good feelings on this record. And I remember when I was young and listening to it, it feels evil. It's so heavy that yeah. it feels fucking evil. The best way to describe it is it's like, you know, you thought you were going fast and then the nitrous kicks in. Yeah. And so so on the on the self-titled, there's a lot of new metal elements. And that's why they got kind of junked in early on as being a new metal-ish band or you know sub-defined as new metal like there's there's mm-hmm. a song in the self-titled that shane knows called spit it out and it features it's mainly rap metal to a to a point yep there's none of that shit on on iowa iowa is just blast beats groove tech here and there like it, it anyway so not to hit on this point too many times but in this time, you have to really, really understand how polarizing Slipknot was. And Shane can probably take this off better than I can, but the fact that all their faces were covered um, was a big deal for the press. And and for the fans, yeah. too, because no one for a long time... There are so many stories now that they've unmasked of people being like, holy fuck, I met Joey Jordanson on a bus and I had no idea it was him. I just thought he was a regular fucking yeah. guy. Um, so I don't have any stories of that included in here, but that's the reality of it. There was such an air of uh, intrigue on like, who the fuck are these occultists? Because that's kind of how they were seen. At least that's how it was presented mm-hmm. to me uh, as an impressionable youth. Like they were. Well, you don't trust folks wearing masks, right? Right. Um, not to mention, like the lyrics were fucked up. You know? Yeah. There's a like you wonder what sort of consciousness craves that sort of anonymity. 
and you know, from our kissing cousin over here with professional wrestling that I talk about ad nauseum, like there are a lot of wrestlers who similarly had to wear masks. And there are any number of reasons why you do it. Sometimes it's because you just don't, you're not an attractive person. So you have a wonderful physique, but you have a horrible looking face. Uh, you know, and other times it is because I don't want you to be able to spot me when I walk out into the parking lot because you will probably try to either, you know, stab me, shoot me, or destroy my automobile. Right. So there's a degree to which you want to sort of save yourself from a lot of that, but also it can be incendiary and you can make a statement with the mask that you wouldn't be making otherwise. So it kind of helps to fortify the music or enhance certain aspects. Like there's a, there's a lot of really interesting things about their aesthetic that really kind of became the focal point of the band more than the music when they first came out. Yeah. Um, didn't, and did you hear Shane any crazy rumors about Slipknot when you were going? Kind of like the Marilyn Manson rumor, you know, of him, you know, getting rid of his ribs so he could suck his own dick. Like, well, that wasn't right. a rumor. That's true. <laughs> like, what's the craziest? Like, off the off the cuff. Like, what's a crazy rumor that you heard about Slipknot? Completely unsubstantiated, about or, or insubstantiated, uh, depending upon your perspective. Non-substantiated. Even better. Uh, I think they were saying that there were two individuals in the band that were murderers. What? And thus why they needed to have the their faces obscured because they didn't want anyone to have that attributable to them. Well, I never heard that one. It's ludicrous <laughs> shit, but it's like those are the things, particularly those who are afraid of something on the face of it pun intended no for that sure. they just have to stray away from it and have to find some sort of justification to not trust it no for sure um the reason i asked you that i was kind of leading the witness um <laughs> is because there was a rumor that i heard especially when i was really really into iowa um and while i was looking up the making of this album it ended up being true at least to Corey taylor because in the revolver magazine interview uh he's quoted as saying i just remember a lot of darkness a lot of anger i was cutting myself recording songs in the studio i was bleeding everywhere i just wanted something and i didn't care what it was i was rolling in pissed i was rolling out pissed and i wasn't letting anything go when i was doing the self-titled album i was letting so much go and it felt good Doing Iowa, I wasn't letting anything go. It was just rage for the sake of rage. It was just gnarly, and I was so fucking unhappy. Luckily, we got a dark, brutal, amazing album out of it. Yeah, go figure. Yeah, so yeah. that was the rumor that I'd heard, is that during... And I... what The context not given is that it's during the final song on the album. I'm sure that it happened throughout the, every every song, but the the last song on the album is called Iowa. That's the 15-minute song. And it's creepy as all get out. It's basically a 15-minute score to a murder. Um, and some of the sounds yeah. that he's making, like when you read it with that context, it's not very cozy to listen to. <laughs> no, no. You know what's funny now that you mentioned that? It just occurred to me because I think I actually bought into this when I heard it, is that Corey Taylor was James Taylor's son. That was another point of discussion that I recall hearing back in the day. And that was someone saying that was the only reason they were popular. And yet another reason he had to wear a mask is because he didn't want to trade on his dad's fame. Interesting. Because weird shit, shit, man. But you're you're helping. It's almost like we have a a hive mind sometimes. uh, mm -hmm. Because the anger and the rage in the album does come from a very clear source. Because the quote from Corey Taylor continues here. 
and he's, he states that, you know, I didn't meet my father until after I was recorded, and I had no idea that my mom had kept him out of my life for a very long time. When you grow up like that, you automatically assume there's something wrong with you. I thought my father didn't want to be there and didn't even contact me. It's got to be my fault. It was something that I struggled with and still do. It affects my confidence every day. I get by on bravado and talent half the time and a little luck. But at the time, man, there was no dealing with me. I was a fucking mess. I was drinking a lot. I was in a relationship that wasn't good for me. And I didn't want to realize it at the time. We went out to L.A. and that's where I really started to get into booze and philandering. Yeah, there we go. Mm-hmm. Sorry, just seeing Michael's beautiful face. Philanthropy? I was going to fucking say it, too. <laughs> Not quite. I was doing anything I could to feel good because everything else felt bad. I was eating a lot. I was getting weight. I wasn't feeling anything but misery. But I knew that we had a responsibility. And that's why Iowa is so dark. <laughs> I, I imagine just picture him just like, like drinking, giving cash to the homeless, well, buying they, another they beer, have... giving cash to like a... Homeless shelter. I don't have it written in here, but they do. There are stories of them, like in the like house that they rented while going to Sound City to record, like just having a night where they were just trying to throw all of his possessions out into the L.A. River and like just breaking shit for the sake of breaking shit. You know, rock star shit. Um, hmm. And the part destruction is an act of creation in and of itself you're just creating chaos right. and i did warn you guys at the top of the episode that it's not like a, a happy-go-lucky you know super funny we're roasting the members of the <laughs> if you only watch disney you might get triggered i think that was uh, your words it's the reference somewhat of the point yeah yeah um uh, also look who you're talking to though i mean if you can't get dirty with me from time I to time no and actually i don't think i've had a, a hot and heavy topic I don't think I've talked about like. I mean, stuff. unless I, you yeah. consider Hollow Moon hot and heavy. Um, only, no, that's heavy, but not yeah. hot. Uh, <laughs> or the other way around. So I think sick. Apart- <laughs> Dude, these little nugget references are so good for people <laughs> that'll catch them. <laughs> I think a part of why the album is so effective to me is that they managed to distill the feeling of being uncomfortable, depressed, disgusted, and pissed off. Um, and I feel like there's, there's ways to convey that, that you can't make up and that you can't recreate. And one of those moments, um, their DJ, like we talked about Sid, uh, couldn't nail his takes in the studio one day because he was worried about his grandfather who was basically a, a death store. Um, so finally he's like, you know, fuck this. I got to go see my granddad before he passes. And as the story goes, he missed him by minutes and his, his grandpa passed away. It's, no. it's fucking. Is that bullshit? It's not bullshit. It's fucking. Oh it's god, that's fucking terrible. Heartbreaking. Damn. So clown recalls in this interview that Sid shows back up to the studio, and they can see that he's hurting. And he gets in the recording booth. They start the song. He starts singing. Next thing you know, the song's done. Sid's had a breakdown, and that's what ends up being the intro to the record called Five One Five, which is an area code in Iowa. Um, and it's just Sid, just gone. And Clown comes in the next day. Ross, the producer's weeping, puts his arms around me. I've been waiting for you, Clown. You're one of the few people that's going to understand this. This is my favorite part of the record. It's the realest part of the fucking record. And it was Sid having a breakdown from all the pain in this thing called Slipknot. So we have this melting pot of emotional unwellness and a young band that's tasted success and now is wondering, what's next? You know? So how the process usually works is you write the music, you record the shit, and you tore the absolute fucking balls out of it. And that was exactly the plan for Iowa. 
But something happened that made this album's touring cycle pretty difficult, especially for a band with a reputation for violent shows and fans. For context on this, just look at this year when Slipknot rolled through Phoenix and they had to stop the concert early because the fans in the lawn area of the amphitheater literally started like like a 20-foot fucking fire. It was crazy. I wasn't there, but I I don't know how we didn't all talk about it just from like a current events standpoint because it was like it was fucking nuts back to the point though so if you remember the album was released at the end of august 2001 <laughs> that's why i started laughing a, it's I was funny like, oh, it's no. funny that you fucking start laughing because i have written down not that i'm trying to do like a michael write my own jokes inside of the script thing oh please do please do <clears throat> let's go verbatim here oh no i need to get into character and then I said, a few short weeks later, the towers fell, and we all know Michael had something to do with it. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that part, too. <laughs> but on a serious uh, note, it fucking tanked their tours. <laughs> um, and no one could argue. Like It, it, made, it, it made sense when you kind of look at it in retrospective. And Corey Taylor in the interview was saying, we had to pass on a lot of tours because of fear. It wasn't a good time for the country, but it wasn't a good time for us either. We got banned at a lot of radio stations and MTV wouldn't touch us. So here we are with our finest work to date and nobody would give us the time of day. We were working our asses off and we weren't getting paid shit. We were killing ourselves and going, where's the fucking money? Where's the fucking money? And nobody could give us... It's down there somewhere. Let me take another <laughs> And nobody could give us a fucking answer. Nobody could tell us what the fuck was going on. We were all burned out and we were looking for a little sunshine. The sunshine from the first album was totally gone, and it was a total eclipse for a very fucking long time. Did someone steal their sunshine? <laughs> was it their heart that was eclipsed? Yes. <laughs> Fuck so, off. <laughs> so we're nearing the end of the, the road here, but you add all of these ingredients, and I think it, that it paints a picture, albeit a, a blurry one, on why the band doesn't look back on this time period with any fondness. <laughs> Uh-huh. In all their arguing, they seem to all agree on one point, and that is that Iowa was the darkest chapter in their band's history. Can we take a moment and, like, uh, I know that I only prefaced this for Michael earlier in the episode, but, like, it it's occurs to me Sound City had to be haunted. Oh, it's fucking definitely haunted. Because on top of, like, the Fleetwood Mac rumors experience there, which, again, they talk about as just a group of people completely falling apart and totally under duress. Like, I, you start to think of the number of things that happened there, like Rage's first record. Like, there's a, a wealth of really negative emotions that got carried into there. Granted, got converted into really catchy, listenable material, but at the same time, you're like, holy shit, that place has seen a lot of damage. Oh, sure. What color is the room? moth yeah maybe watch the documentary and find out no (laughs) Uh, no. (laughs) i can't even be i can't even lie and say that i would try because it's you know Uh, on that note though i was watching a paul davids video the other day and in his studio for youtube for those of you who don't know who paul davids is my apologies but asher is going to to laugh at this he's a um a famous sort of like guitar player at this point now. Um, but he does instruction and he breaks down songs and things. But um, his studio is painted half red. Interesting. And I know for a fact Asher watches his channel and I'm like, that must fuck that boy up something absolutely fierce. I know. Probably just blocks half of that. 
He just covers closes half his of his eyes screen. and just listens. Right. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a I real thing, too. I, I mean, me. I know uh, I know the, the lights in my room are fucking ridiculous, but I got them because they make me happy and that, that's enough for me. But, like, I can tell you that with the late nights that I've had in here, like, when I turn off all the lights and just leave the dumb little TikTok lights on, that the, the it does really impact your mood, you know? Like the red, the red lights would fuck just, me up. Like it, it's either I'm getting fucked or I'm about to be fucked. That's what red lights mean. <laughs> what kind of trauma did you have with that? Have you ever been to Catholic school? He had school? sex in an yeah. abattoir one time. <laughs> oh God. Oh fuck. Uh, oh, you see that scene where they introduce Pennywise in the uh, meat factory uh, in it chapter one, or just jangling yes. on the the hook. That was John that was, coming. It is always me coming. Uh, speaking of coming, though, you all should come to the link that I'm going to leave in the show notes as well. That is, it's the last thing that I have for you guys. Um, it's mm-hmm. a it's a YouTube link for a rip of a concert film called Disaster Pieces uh, from Slipknot. Uh, yes. So if anyone listening or Michael, if you for some godforsaken reason want to see how intense they were during this time period, it's from 2002. Follows the Iowa tour uh, when they hit London. Um, I watched most of it on, on my plane ride back. And authentically, like, super fucking good performances. And you can see how it looked when a band was at their true prime. Although one would argue they're still kicking really fucking hard. Um, oh, yeah. This will not be... In- Getting into fights with Machine Gun Kelly. Yeah, I mean, fuck that little... Oh, you shit. You mean the guy who got... <laughs> who started beef with another genre and got killed so bad he had to move to a different genre? Switched- and then he's now getting killed yeah. for starting shit with another band in that genre? Um, yeah, the man's so nice they killed him twice. Um, but yeah, also, there's a... Oof. I think what put Slipknot back in my head, um, outside of... Shane and I's yearly ritual of dipping our toes back into old water, you know, of like old bands that we love, um, is that I... It, it does remember. It does. It does. Uh, there's a BBC uh, live stream where Slipknot plays like a... Sorry, we hit Pornhub for a second there. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> boom, ba ba doom ba doom doom Q Asher's rendition real quick. Um, it's Slipknot playing in like a 200 to th- probably two to 500 person venue. So a small, small venue when they've only been doing stadiums for the last 20 years. Um, and to see them have so much control on no matter what size, like no matter what size of a stage they're on, the amount of control and power that they have when they're playing live is incredible to me. Just, just fascinating in my opinion. So, but anyway, mm-hmm. that's a uh, stage presence is important. That's that's uh, especially if you're playing yeah. live, 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 live. But anyway, um, live moss. That's live moss. Live, live moss. That's that's all I got for y- for you guys on Iowa. All right. Uh, well, uh, contrary to what you thought going in, very engaging and quite entertaining. So I personally appreciated oh, it. Uh, I don't know what Michael would say. No, I like I. Even if I don't understand a lot of what's going on, because that's usually the case for me, I still like seeing like people talk about where things come from. I always love not necessarily origin stories. This dick. <laughs> this dick. Gesturing hey, at. Hey, mom. I guess my mic. Where the babies come from? She just points to your dad. That big fat cock. <laughs> that a big dick. honker. Yeah. Addicted. Addicted. <laughs> 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 but no i i enjoy listening to see like where things come from even if i don't know like 
what it is you're talking about. It's still cool to see like what thoughts led to this, where were they at, and and why are you interested in it? Why do you care? It's cool seeing these things. I, I agree, and I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys have mm-hmm. any stabs on, on potential lies here, or did I uh, read the too The whole fast? thing was bullshit. There's no second album of Iowa. They only had their self-titled, and that's it. Yep, you got it. You fucking nailed it. You're king. <laughs> You're fucking king. <laughs> yes, this whole episode was about Mudvayne. Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what songs I know from them. Well, you know, 5150 remembers. <sighs> it's thir- Isn't it? Nope. No, it's 31... 31- Fuck, I don't know. It's his it's his I gene size. Sure. That's what that lyric is. <laughs> no, I'm not joking. I'm not fucking joking. Um hold on. Hold the fuck on. I need to see that I need to see the title of the song so I can tell you because Do it, um, yes. Oh, so and while I'm looking this up, I'll give you some bonus history on Slipknot after Iowa. So, oh. so Rapid after, fire. after Iowa, the band was so disenchanted with each other that uh, Jim Root, one of the other guitar players, and Corey Taylor went back to their original project, Stone Sour. And that's when we got the debut album from Stone Sour, which, which is, fucking is actually fucking phenomenal. And that was what we were referencing uh, by that 30, or it's 30, 30, 150. Um, so okay. the, the second album from Stone Sour is called Come Whatever May. The first song in that album is called 30, 30, 150. And because I got way into this fucking album and I saw them play, uh, play this album with Shadows Fall and Lacuna Coil at Celebrity Theater. Uh, and I broke a rib. Um, <laughs> true story. <laughs> were you trying to suck your own uh, dick? Yeah. I was going to no, say. So, so they were doing... Um, we were right near where the bands come out, like the the little entryway up to the rotating stage at Celebrity Theater. And mm-hmm. me and my friend, we were up against that rail. And when Stone Sour went on, it's not a venue made for moshing, but people tried to do it anyway. And I got slammed so hard <laughs> against the railing that, yeah, it fucked me up. Anyway, 30-30. I like that the bands that we've seen, sorry not to interrupt you, as like you saw Slipknot at Celebrity. I've seen like Big Wreck, Thornley. No, not Big Wreck. I saw Thornley and uh, Lindsey Buckingham. Interesting. Not on the same bill, but you know. Um, <laughs> Those are my pulls. So in reading an article, I don't and this was years ago, so I couldn't tell you where it's from. The reason it's called the reason it's thirty thirty one fifty is because thirty thirty were the size that he wore, like his jeans, and one fifty okay. was how much he weighed. And it was like a song about him being fucking like bullied or some shit. So, well, God bless him. Also, strangely enough, Thornley was opening for Breaking Benjamin for that show. So, if you want to talk about like how honky new metal that was, oh yeah, that was a big that was a big one. Wait, Breaking good'un. Benjamin is considered new metal? Yes. Yes. Huh. Uh they're if not new metal, definitely butt rock. They were right oh, on yeah, the that's like, what I, that's what they I was transitioned from one to the other. Okay, that's probably why like I yeah, okay. I probably heard uh, them after co- they like, went mainstream. And all so that. cold is very much like new metal. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I can hear that now. But do you guys? I know that song. Well, it's surprising. I know that. We're just gonna put. You're gonna put together a playlist that has no uh, electro funk on it. And it's just gonna be all butt rock songs. Because I Indeed. feel like if I feel Ugh. like if I was like Michael, send me the songs that you're really into right now. It would be, uh, it would be French disco funk, or French disco electro punk. It's the Pokemon Go soundtrack. What's, what's that? Oh, okay, what's actually. that fucking? Uh, no, it's Digimon, the Digimon soundtrack. Well, no, and not, not to get too far afield here, it. but there's there's a band that you... Oh, it's uh, fucking Caravan? 
Yes. Caravan yeah, Palace. Make all Caravan, that music Caravan real Palace. good for your Digimon. Which is, it's yeah. French electronic It is disco. French, right. Yeah. Anyway, huh. I don't know why I remember that about you. Because uh, <laughs> I'm fucking weird. You are if weird. it's not RJD2, I don't fucking care. Oh, have you guys ever seen Mad Men? What about uh, what about uh, what about L2 LSD2? Um do you guys I like have well speaking of Mad Men back to Slipknot. Stabs. <laughs> uh what? Corey Taylor. He no. got stabbed, right? Okay, well I fucked up my first live, so it's supposed to be a brilliant live where I got got one over you and said they came from Cedar Rapids and all the Slipknot fans would be fucking really mad for a second. Um <laughs> <laughs> the the second lie that I had for you guys um, was that I told you that on their on their demo is where they got their name from, which is true. Um, but I told you the optional names that that got voted out were Painface and Splinter Faction. Painface was true, but Splinter Faction that's oh. complete bullshit. <laughs> which is funny because you were so close. <laughs> I like that name though. It does sound like a name from that time, in my opinion, though. Exactly. And again. Tom Clancy thought it was catchy as fuck. Mm-hmm. What were there any other choice alternatives, or was it just it was just face? it was either Slipknot or Painface, and I'm really glad oh. they went with Slipknot because Painface yeah. is fucking dumb. Yeah, um, that sounds very cringy. This one, the next lie, I'm not surprised you guys missed, but a little bit considering Shane's wearing the Slipknot beanie. Um, I told you that the, again. No, it's fine. Uh, I told you that the demo uh, LP that they made was called Mate Feed Torture Kill Repeat. It's actually just called Mate Feed Kill Repeat. Uh, yeah, I, again, I was not fucking like a dyed in the wool. No, Truth it's be told, like I, I'm not kidding. I was more of a Mudvayne kid than I was a Slipknot I mean, guy. Fair. And then I preferred Stone Sour to Slipknot on top of everything. So, yeah. I got this because, you know, I I knew people who knew people. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then the final lie that I had for you guys. And in fact, I'm going to pat myself on the back because I didn't lie about the album creation at all. Um, Oh, well, you lifted it from an article. Yeah, just lifted it all from an article. (laughs) Um, But what I did lie about is that Conan quote before that they played. He did say, he did say, may God help us all. But he didn't say, look at what we've done. <laughs> uh, I mean, it is in keeping with something I could very easily imagine him saying. So kudos. That was very well conceived. Thank you. Unlike you. I know. <laughs> Are you my dad? I dad. No, I'm just criticizing his technique. <laughs> I think you're the product of the third thrust of the, oh, my hip. <laughs> You're the one fucking my mom. I'm just the one holding her ears up. But <laughs> I, 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 I'm fucking your mom. You're just holding her head. Oh God! Sorry, <laughs> sorry, God. Linda, 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 <laughs> listen. listen. No. I'm cramping. Hold still. <laughs> I don't want to. Oh, don't want to trigger I'm yet. Clean. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, That's anyway. why we named you Charlie. That's what I was screaming when I was coming. Charlie! <laughs> First name Charlie, middle name Horse. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck me. 
Uh, no. No, you're fucking my your mom. mother. I got it. I got Thanks. it. Yeah, no, yeah. May, I mean, if you had like a long hair and no beard, as we proved last week, I might give a run at you. <laughs> well, but... I'm working on growing out the hair, so you might get your wish. Okay. All right. Just get rid of the beard. I don't want to get any chafing in my thighs. Uh, I want to I want to grow a mane that makes Michael's quaff ridiculous looking. Okay. Damn. That's and... that's a pretty tall order. But I'll never I have a I'll never have a beard is. even close to you guys. You you know what cum is, Shane. Let's not be let's not good. I want you to I show know me. What cum is. <laughs> I want you to show me. <laughs> and maybe you'll blow me off. I wanna feel your warm jizz. <laughs> We're off the rails. Here we go. This is what, again, no feminine influence on this show, and this is what happens. Sorry, Courtney. Sorry, God. <laughs> I'm not. I've enjoyed the sausage party for every episode that it occurred, and it's a beautiful thing. For I me. do think it's really, really fucking ironic that the episode after she's commending us on having a female presence that she's. <laughs> you guys hey. have really matured. Huh? <laughs> Gotta prove her wrong. She elected to leave on her own and for something that is not even fucking important. Banging a ginger minge has nothing to do with anything that is worthwhile. I thought you were going to do the night veil uh, to the to the loved ones of Courtney. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, slipping headfirst into a giant gaping maw gives my life a wonderful sense of symmetry. That being said, Courtney, I miss you. Please come back. <laughs> Oh, she's she's got the comeback. That's where we got that episode title from a while oh, back. You know, dear lord. Ooh. Ooh. Well, thanks for letting me, uh, you know, <laughs> talk about a, defile yeah, us, defile you with Slipknot's Iowa, and I do encourage you to at least give it a give it a listen from start to finish, uh, especially now that we know that people are in fact equivalent to shit. I have to tell you, like, that, to show how legion this bloody thing was, one of my best friends in high school at the time, his ringtone was duality. Nice. So every time I was with that motherfucker, I heard that song at least five times because it was a constant. And it's always the first, like, ten seconds of the song. Yeah, so, no, 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 no. Yeah. Like, it really gets me upset. When I hear it, and I, I still love the song. I've got, I've come back around to it uh, when I come around. But yeah, it it really talked me out of it for a good long while. Oh, I forgot my my favorite lyric from uh, from Iowa. I feel like this might be a cap on it. Uh, I want to slit your throat and fuck the wound. True. So there you really, go. Really nice, elegant lyric. Poetic. If it gets you off. It's all that matters. I want to know what come is. People make noises when they're sick. I want to feel your warm jizz. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Such that. a good line. Thank you, yes. Uh, Especially since I'm working on a remix that starts with Courtney talking about come. If I could get that, I want to feel your warm yes. jizz clip. Hold great. on, let me try and like make it a little bit more lyrical. Oh, you want to get soulful? I want to feel your warm jizz. Oh, so, no. A little better? Why are you ebony again? Yep. I like Do my it. falsetto. Do it. <laughs> Uh, uh, <laughs> so to to speak to something though, strangely enough, of like me doing this even into when I was like six or seven, there was a horrible like uh sort of hair metal ish ballad from back in the day, and I don't remember the band, so uh, 
for the listeners out there, you can find this. I'm sure Dr. Michael knows. And um, then leave a leave a message in a review or a comment or something like you that. Won't. Oh, sure. Yes. <laughs> um, but the the lyric for the chorus is Tonight I need your sweet caress. Hold me in your darkness. <laughs> And I, at one point we're walk we're walking through Kmart and I that song is playing on the music and I turn to my mom and I I sing out hold me in your haunches. <laughs> also, just because we can't let Michael get away with it, we can't let you get away with it. Did you say music? The music, music, yeah, music. If you yeah. don't know what music is, my friend, you you need to get out of here. Like elevator music or the stuff yeah, that they play in in stores, uh, you know, it's it's the music. Didn't know that. Yeah, Z. Didn't know that's that you actually fucking, the genre name of it. Didn't know that yeah. you fucking French whores called it something else. <laughs> well, sacre <laughs> bleu. <laughs> Behold, as I descend my music into your greedy mouth, you American whore. <laughs> Sorry, guys, I was really insensitive. Sex worker. <laughs> hey uh john you better shut your mouth before i fuck it is that brandon saint randy indeed <laughs> also uh if they're listening to it we, we have gotten some new listeners which is really fun so if, i'm sorry if you are we promptly lost i was gonna say if you're still here I'm so fucking sorry. But if you're still here, leave a like but, and a comment. <laughs> to the family of our new fans, we are very deeply sorry but, and apologetic. But Patrick, if you're listening to this, thank you for making plans with Tony Camacho. Uh, because you covered up for the fact that I fucked up and didn't tell Tony that he should have been here tonight. So I hope that you all had a beautiful night eating wings. If that's what you're really doing. If that's what you're calling it nowadays, then yeah. But anyway, thank you for being so nice. <laughs> And down there munching us. on their haunches. Uh, we, we desperately need it to feel validated. So thank you. It's a beautiful mm, thing. Validation. <laughs> validate me, daddy. Oh, validate me hard. <laughs> Here, I'll stamp your ticket. Yes. <laughs> What's that gross? Now I can park for free. Michael, you'll know the answer to this. What's that gross noise that anime weebs make? Is it uwu? Ooh, yeah. <laughs> like how you fucking lit up like a Christmas tree, you sick I was fuck. like, oh, <laughs> notices bulge. What's this, ooh? <laughs> <laughs> it's supposed to be a cat face. Because, uh, <laughs> no pussy. U-W-U. Is supposed to look like a cat face. I I can't see it. And if you <laughs> disagree with me, comment something. I don't care. But yeah, that's that's the whole idea. It's that it's supposed to look like a cat face. It's supposed to be cute. And then so people pervert it because it. Yeah, Jeez, so it's like culture. ooh, what's yeah. this? Ooh, ooh. yeah, suu. It's it's basically <laughs> the uh, the anime version of what are you doing here, step bro? Like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Boom, boom, boom. It's supposed to be like a cat girl, like pouncing on you, and it's like, ooh. No pussy. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Today I learned that. Michael's... No pussy. Today... No pussy. <laughs> Today I learned no about. No Gary Boosie. <laughs> Today I learned about Michael's House of Horrors. <laughs> ooh. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
<laughs> All right, I'm going to buddy holly my way out of this. Crash. Uh, anywho, ladies and germaphobes, as always, we are delighted to have had you share this glorious moment with us and all of the moments that preceded this and most certainly those that will follow. And speaking of following, you should do so on your preferred podcast provider platform. And you can get all of our new episodes which wing your way every marvelous Monday morning. And also, on the tubes of you on Wednesdays, you can find new content whenever it is available. So you should go ahead and uh, mash that subscribe because Michael needs it. Uh, and, and do all them things. And of course, you've got a link tree down below in the show notes here if you want to follow us on all of your preferred socials. You can check us out on TikTok. You can see all of the glorious nonsense that we do here just for you folks. But I believe that that is going to wrap us up just like a bandage over the wound that is Corey Taylor's arm. And so, for the Disinformed Podcast this week, I'm Shane. I'm John. And I'm Michael, and I'm going to do it properly this time. You leave a space. You better, leave a space you better for slip knot it. Slip knot it. Yes. Okay. Put on a, a do a metal voice. Zipper is so poetic. Okay. Damn, son. <laughs>